0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I know we are ready to receive God's word. Amen? It's my privilege once again to stand before you to share God's word a second time in this month. And if it is God's will... We have to thank God for that, and God has something for every one of us in this afternoon. Last time, that is in the first week of uh, this month, I have shared about the worthy walk of our calling. And we are all reminded that we are all called by God, we are chosen by God, and we are by our name He has called us for the worthy walk. And what is the worthy walk? That is, our call is, yes, actually, the what is the call and what is the, by the character and also the cause of our calling. And all I did con- conclude that message with the 2nd Timothy, chapter 1, eight, 8 and 9. And God has saved us and called us with our holy calling, not, not according to our words, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So there I stop. Again, when I continue the study of Ephesians, and uh, before that i gave so most of the thing the oneness uniqueness in the book is every part by part is start with therefore therefore that's why last week last time when i started with uh, chapter 3 and i said about sorry four first words i said from first to three chapter what are the position god has given us as a child of god and what are the privileges? And everything, that's why, why we have to go through it? It is because this chapter starts with, I therefore, as a prisoner, and he beseech you. Like that he starts. Now when I look into the last portion of this chapter, that is from 25 to 32, again it starts with, Therefore, putting away, It starts with, then again, when I look behind, before, what is there? Again, the previous one is, this, this I say, therefore, verse 17, therefore I testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles. There I cut. Again, it is telling about, uh, Paul is emphasizing about walk. And what is that? You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. What does it mean? So when you look at the scripture, as it is uh, maybe in the screen, the first verse, um, that is the first verse in 17, 18, and 19, what it says, This I say, therefore, And testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Continually, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being fast feeling have been themselves, given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So you may be wondering why it is, to whom it was said and why it was said and uh, what does it mean to us? So, Just open your Bibles and see. Don't look at the screen. See from your own Bible. You should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. What does it mean? We were before knowing Christ. We We too were Gentiles. We too were aliens. We do not know Christ in their life. But now Paul considered, after we all accept Christ as the Lord and Savior, he is mentioning us, reminding us, do not so, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, not we. Now we are in Christ. Before we were as Gentiles, again there are many more Gentiles in the world. Those who Gentiles in the sense we you know, those who do not know or do are worshiping other gods, are uh, in simple in our terms and our understanding. we can say that unbelievers. So let us not walk as the unbelievers walk. So the characters are mentioned what are they doing? they are. they are in the futility of their mind. First of all, it is, bl- it is blind, it is darkened having their understanding, darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance and also they were blind. And uh, verse 19 says, who being fast-feeling have given themselves over to luredness to walk all uncleanness with greediness. In short, we can say or understand, we were having these characters in us before we come to Christ. So it is a reminder again, even though you come and accept Christ as a Lord and Savior and claim that we are believers, let us not walk as the people still walking in that way. When you look at the continue the scripture from twenty 22, 21, 22. What he says? But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former contact the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. In this, is telling about the present, After knowing how we are. And when we meditate these things, I found uh, there are, uh, the uh, when I couple them together, what he says about, uh, from verse even, uh, chapter 4, 17 to twenty. 24. Those who are in darkness are living in intellectual futility. Verse 17. Those who are in darkness live in ignorance of thought. Verse 18. Those who are in darkness live in moral and spiritual numbness. Verse 19a. And those who are in darkness live in selfish, indulgence, verse 19b so verse 19 also describes the unbelievers as those who have given themselves over to uncleanness and greediness but we are encouraged to walk or live in the light so before knowing it is uh, we are in darkness after knowing christ we are in the light because Christ is the light. As we are in the, as Christ is the light and we are in, he he is in us, we are in the light. So what is this thing says, Paul says here, you have not so learned like, we have not learned like those people or under them the humanity lives in darkness but you have been Taught, you are learned you have thought and because you are heard and that's why what has happened the following verse says you are renewed verse 23 you and be renewed in the spirit of your mind we do not have the same mind as we had before since we came to the Lord our mind is renewed And you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So, we are all called for righteousness. We are all called to be holy, the holiness, because our God is the holy God. Our God is the holy God. Our God is the righteous God. We are all called for righteousness. We are righteous because of Christ himself, not with our own. Do you believe that? Say Amen to that. We are all called, the purpose, we should be holy because God wants us to be like him. As he has created in the beginning. Man on his own image. That is the first love. We believe it and we accept it. That that we should think always and we should be very grateful to God. We are created by Him, by His own image. That is the first love. He has not created us like any other thing. He has created the whole universe. In heavens and as well as on the earth. But, man was created as a special on his own image, in his likeness. That is why God threw the first love to us. Don't we be grateful to him? We should be grateful to him. Whenever you go before your mirror to dress up, first of all, you have to thank God on seeing you. Not seeing others. First of all, when you see yourself, your face in the mirror, thank God for that creation. Don't compare yourself with somebody. Oh, I am not like that person, I am not like that person. It has a two values. One is you think of yourself greater. Another is you think yourself lower. Don't do that. You are unique in the sight of God. God, so whenever you think of yourself, you bel- and you have to be proud of saying, God has created me in His image, in His likeness. And the character... We lost, the our forefather lost that character. So, what was the purpose he has sent his own son to this world to develop that character in us? Importing that character in us. That is why, when I meditated the scripture, I could see the three levels and the word Paul was presenting here. First of all, he was, he was telling about the past. And where he was telling about Gentiles, who, we, who they are, how they are, even now. But you are not like that. And he has made a bridge over there and said, here, return. you have not known Christ like that. You heard him, you have seen him, and he is in you. So you were not thought like that way. So we know God. So whenever I I meditate on John three sixteen, I used to believe that. Yes, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only begotten Son to this world, and whoever believes in him and he will have eternal life. Yes, everything is true. God loved the world, true. He sent his son to this world, true. And whoever believes in him, he will have eternal life. Very true. And who do not have uh, believe in Him will have eternal punishment. But how do we know that God? How do we know all these things? How do we know God? How do we know His Christ, uh, His Son Jesus Christ? How do we know the salvation? How do we receive the salvation? And how do we know that we are going to hell before if we do not accept it? Everything is in the Word. Through the word, we will know. Because if there is nothing hidden or any manipulation, everything is given in everyone's hand. That's why we should be proud of. God has given his word to us to know him first, who he is. Secondly, God has given his word for us to know the world and also to know ourselves. As always I used to quote, he speaks about all three tenses of us. Who we were before, who we are today, and who will, how we will be in the future. About our three tenses the Bible says. That's why Paul in this scripture is mentioning about who we were, like a Gentile. And what is the bridge? He says, we know the Lord, we know Jesus Christ, we have Christ, He is in us. And we are called for, you tell, righteousness and holiness. Look at your Bible. It's in your Bible in the last sentence says in 24. We are called to, according to God, we are called in true righteousness and holiness. After mentioning about our position in him, and also the purpose he has mentioned, is telling something for us. Not to Gentiles. For us, who were called the rest of the thing. That's why I titled this message, instead of, here the Bible it says, do not grieve the spirit. But I titled this message, how not to grieve the holy spirit so there are four things i have chosen or to share here and it is very simple it is not a very theological message it is a very simple self explanatory everyone can understand and the lesson under is it is a reminder to check our life here when you go through the rest of the scripture from 25 to 32, here it says four things only I have chosen. It is there. As I uh, compile in such a way. And this uh, says, don'ts and dos. That, that's why I said that how not we, sorry, how not to grieve the Holy Spirit or simply simple term if we say the bible says do not grieve the holy spirit how we should not grieve or quench the holy spirit see the two scriptures i mentioned here is in the first line. and uh, one is thessalonian first thessalonian Don't As I exalted in the beginning, chapter 5, what it says, chapter 5, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. The portion which we have chosen today for our meditation was from 25 to 32. The key verse highlighted one touch me to prepare this, word, this message is verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That touches us. Why? We are called for holiness. Our God is the holy and righteous God. For as Paul is telling, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Let us meditate today and how it is possible, what we are doing and what we are not supposed to do. Let's see. From, as a first thing, By stopping lying and start telling the truth. Verse 25. Look at your Bible. When he said that we are called in the true righteousness and holiness, he says, Therefore, 25 verse 24, 25 starts with, Therefore, putting away lying, let Each one of you (coughs) speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Everything is there. What to do, what not to do, and why to do. Three things are there in one verse. What is that? We should put away lying, we should not lie. And we should speak truth with with our neighbor because we are members of one another. Do you believe that we are members of one another? We are all members of one another. Being members of one another, we should not speak Lie, but speak the truth. Last, before 2000 years, may have passed since Paul first written these words, but people have not changed. Lying was then, and it was now common problem for unsaved men. What's worse is, many people who claim to be Christians lie habitually. Instead of being transformed and living the life, or like a people of God, and called to be, they live like a lost. Lying is embedded in the fabric of our culture. It is illegal for us to lie to our government. Lying means God wants us. He sealed us when you accept Christ. But in our fleshy nature, temptation, we are trying to open it in the corner as you open the letter, envelopes. We have habit, is that If somebody's letters are with us, how do we see? As I was young, I used to think, is it possible to read out this side, this light on this side, from without opening. Uh, I'm very, very frank. So, I, I believe that you, all of you or many of you should have that experience. Am I right? Am I right or not? Right. Thank you for accepting. And maybe in the corner, if it is sometimes, even the confidential letter, we are more curious to see. But in the same way, when we accept, when the God still this as we are belongs to God's kingdom, and uh, we are trying to commit sin, tell lies, we are trying to or the flesh, we in the sense the old nature of human being, not the new nature. So the new nature once again I have to bring this up. So everyone, even though we accept Christ as, as a Lord and Savior. And we are called as the children of God and we are sealed for the Holy Spirit of God and for holiness and righteousness. As long as we live on this earth in our fleshy nature, always there will be a conflict between the spirit and the flesh. That conflict is always there for everything. It is all depend upon how you overcome the flesh by your spiritual nature, or the spiritual is taking overtaking the flesh. That shows the maturity. How much you know the Lord, how much you know the Word, how much you have experiences, what are the exercises or experiences you have gone through by your faith. It everything is an exercise, some people may have more knowledge about the word. Unless you go through the practical exercise in your life, finding difficulty, hardships, going through hardships in your life, by your faith, when you overcome, that is an exercise, that is a practical life, that is a practical exercise, so that you will learn something. In my experience, I can. I what I understood about the life as I was studying in my high school itself. I used to find out what is the definition for life. There are so, de- so many definitions like that. I used to think what is the definition for prayer? For whatever it is, there is no one definition for life or your prayer life. It is all depending upon your personal experiences. How you are living on this earth, it. With your experience, you can give your own definition. Don't depend on somebody's definition. Prayer life is also like that. You may hear from people. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is a communication with uh, God and us. And uh, it is a one way or two ways. Still uh, we hear two ways, but uh, still we practice one way. Most of us. There are people, even the believers are there. Prayer means going and uh, just uh, narrating everything and uh, spelling and come out. But prayer is not like that. If you have that experience, you can derive your own definition for what is prayer. So, by your exercise, by your experiences, you will know and you are, you are graduating, you are maturing. The Bible says "What is a very simple thing to power maturity is, you will know what is good and bad. As simple as that. What is sin? What is not sin? What is God's... Uh, the, am I doing according to God's will? Am I not doing according to God's will? If two do things, if you are able to distinguish, understand, and follow, godly, that is possible. Only you allow Christ as a center of your life. Allowing the Spirit of God to minister to you, or more in you, it will possible. If you are a casual Christian or a casual believer, it is impossible. The enemy enemy means immediately they think about Satan. Satan is not the first enemy. first enemy is our own flesh. Enemies in us. Always trying to dominate, take over, taking your upper hand to put us down. We are all spiritual children of God. If you believe, say Amen to that. Why you are spiritual children? Why you are spiritual children? We receive the Lord and the Spirit of God is in us. By His grace. We are spiritual being because God in His appointed time, chosen us and called us, made us as a spiritual. Unless the spirit of God is in us, we cannot say Jesus is the Lord. If you say Jesus is the Lord, it is very true. You are a spiritual being. The spirit of God is in you. I didn't say. The Bible says that. We should know. So, once again I come back. Maturity is based on always we have a conflict in our life. We should mature enough to know what is right and what is wrong and with that, so in this case, in the scripture, what we know is all believers should and we we are, the lying is become habitual for some Christians. In the beginning, we become sensitive. Once second time again he remains, we go back to God and confess before him. God because of his grace, he will forgive us. He will forgive us. Again we will restore our joy, what is lost. If we sin, we won't be peaceful. As a genuine Christian, if we sin anything any sin if you commit, you will not have that peace. That is why always I used to challenge from this pulpit. The sign of your true Christian is he will live in peace all the time. No circumstances can change him. No situation can change him. You may go through any circumstances or hardships in your life, but none of the things will change you as long as we live in Christ. And you will have peace all the time. That was promised by our God to his children. That was his last word before going to heaven. Anyhow, my peace I give unto you, not as the world give, I will give my own peace unto you. Hold on to that. Whenever you go through the situation you claim that. Okay, secondly, as believers we are always speak truthfully. Instead of lying, we should speak truthfully. What is it? It is not enough that we stop lying. Some people stop lying. Right. And we must also tell the truth. So the second part of 25 says a quote. And also in Zechariah, you can read it later because of the time. And Zechariah 8, 16-17, you can go through it. Satan is the author of the source of lies. Jesus said in John 8, 44 He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him, in Satan. When he speaks a lie he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. The first question in the Bible is Satan causing doubts on God's Word that we read from Genesis 3-1. Since Satan is the source of the inspiration for lies, when we lie, we give him glory. That is why always I used to say, never ever mention the negative things from this place. Instead of we glorifying God, we, are, we will glorify by mystery, by split of our tongue, Glorify Satan. Satan may twist, even you may be challenged. I am a Christian, nothing will change you. May, even you can come to this place. As this is the place where God used to, uh, God, uh, we will hear God's word, and we consider everything from this place is from God. Even if we stand from here, there are possibilities the enemy can twist to a tongue to take his glory. He is because he is a deceiver. Anytime we can touch you. So, children of God, we should be alert in knowing Him, recognizing Him. And we should be not taking everything granted. And, um, since Satan is the source of... and uh, Sorry, understand that speak the truth is not to tell everything we know. So, speaking the truth means... It is not everything I know, I go and uh, just uh, open it and uh, pour it out. No. There are confidence things. You have to keep it confident. So, what the Bible says about it, only the fool wins all his feelings. So, don't be foolish in that. Whatever you know, it is not necessary to go to tell to the neighbor. So, whatever it is for you, you have to keep it for yourself. And if it is necessary, we have to Gospel, we have to go and spell the gospel. So that is the, no restriction at all. Anytime, anybody, twenty-four hours or uh, hours or uh, three sixty-five days, you care, you are allowed to go and spell the gospel. But not everything, what the secret, what is belongs to you, you have to keep it yourself. Thirdly, in this time, they stop lying and they start telling the truth. As believers, We are members of one another, as I said. Paul tells us that we should not lie, but tell the truth, because we are members of one another. In other words, to tell lie to another believer is lying to yourself. If you are telling a lie to another believer, that means you are telling lie to yourself. Sometimes we may be thinking that by our... Another thing is there. The most dangerous lies are the ones we tell ourselves. A lie does not cease to be a lie because it is sincerely believed. It is more dangerous. If you think that when you said lie to someone and he believed it, That is more dangerous for you. Don't be satisfied or proud of you said it and he believed it. No. First of all, you are cheating yourself. Secondly, it is the most serious and dangerous sin. God count on that. Because you not only cheat yourself and others, you are cheated yourself. Of course, ultimately, in the sight of God, you are a liar. Please. Why God has been highlighting and speaking about lie this much? Is it uh, that much important in such a big church to know about it as if we are the liars? I did not say that we are liars. If we speak about faith here, You should not think that as if I do not have faith, he is speaking faith about here. No, don't think it in that way. God's word comes to us in a time, it may not be for everybody, it may be for somebody to be corrected. Because God wants that message to be here. When you look at, uh, go through the revelation here, it says, The first people go to hell is the liars. Do you know that? Liars are on the first list, in the list, the first in the list. So let us be very careful by lying and speaking the truth. That's what Paul wants us to know. Stop lying and start telling the truth. Secondly, by stop angry and stop, start forgiving. From 26 27, when he go through it, he says, be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil when you're angry and uh, even the 32 be what i said it and uh, be a kind of one another forgiving one another they are to forgive which why See, getting angry is not sin. But getting angry do not sin. So we know that we read it in the the same scripture. Let us go through it. Paul is quoting here in Psalm 4.4 says, We ought to be angry and do not sin. Being angry is not necessarily wrong. We can be angry without sin. The word for anger here does not refer to unchecked wrong, but a deep-seated, determined and settled conviction. As a believer, we ought to have a righteous indignation and anger against evil, injustice, immorality and godliness. Here on this basis if your anger acceptable. Holy anger. Even Christ, when we studied in our discipleship training and advanced classes, emotions of Christ. Positive emotion, negative emotion. What are the negative emotions? One of the emotions are anger. Jesus Christ himself angered shown anger towards his disciples. For what? For what I said or the scripture says. For holiness purpose, righteous purpose, corrections, making them to understand, disciplining, it is possible. Immediately you have to settle down. But you should not keep it in you because that becomes the bitterness. Root the Bible says keeping that in our hearts is what is highlighted? The root of bitterness. Usually the roots are under the earth. No one can see. But when we have that anger, that, dev- that will develop. If we keep it in you, that will develop and go deeper and do- deeper and stay with you as a root. One time or the other, it will shoot up. That is absolutely Against God's will, it is absolutely against the holiness of our God, and which you are called for. On the other hand, Christians are not to be misplaced anger. This is described in verse 21. As I said, bitterness, wrath, glamour, and evil speaking, all malice. Our anger is not to be selfish, but self-centered. Secondly, as a believers, we should always resolve anger feelings. Paul gives a great advice here. As we do become angry, we must be careful not to let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't let it go unresolved, as I said, and you can refer that from Psalm 37 verse 8 also. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not free it. it. only causes harm. So, there are a lot of things to be. In this we should note it. So, always you can look at the verse 32. It tells us, as a conclusion, we can say that why we should not anger, how we should anger and how it has to be settled down. Just forgiving. Forgiving one another. Even as God In Christ, forgive you. In whatever way, we may have been offended, malignant or wounded in comparison to what Jesus suffered for us. Not only does He give us the grace of forgiveness, but He also gives the grace to forgive. So, as we are forgiven, we should forgive. That is the another basic character of a Christian. When God saved us for the purpose, we should be useful to save others. Unless we have a spirit of forgiveness, first of all, you should understand, when you accept Christ in your life, what do you believe it? You believe it, how you are saved? It is very simple. By faith. What is that faith? I am a sinner. I am a consequence of sin. For my consequence of sin the, is the eternal death. But God has forgiven my sin. Why? I have confessed it and I believe it. As simple as that. So in that case, it is all in your faith. And when you receive forgiveness, you always prepare yourself to forgive others as well. So, when you get anger, the solution for it, forgive others at the same time and make a full stop for it. Thirdly, verse 28. Let No corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That is 29. Oh, sorry. 28. Let him, who stole, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is Good that he may have something to give him who has need. It is something interesting. Stop stealing and start working. Believers are not to be thieves. Paul says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, In the first, uh, uh, let him his hands. So, in the first century, there were many slaves. Their masters often poorly treated them. The slaves often stole from their masters in revenge. How many people are like that even today? Because when we are mistreated or ill-treated by the sponsor, Or by the masters and as a revenge, people used to think, try to steal something from that person as a lesson. Compromising what and how the person was treated, that is wrong. So, how will you be witness of our savior if we are talking or what does not belong to you? So, whatever, very simple, whether you steal or you are not stealing. So, simply if you say, I am not a thief. Thief means we may imagine so many things, what is happening in the big level. The very simple definition or understanding is, that's what I learned and I heard, and what we practice is, supposed to be, Whatever is not, whatever we have, which is not belongs to us, that is stolen by us. Whatever we have, which is not belongs to us, is stolen. So, that's what here he says, we should not steal, but start working. Why? Here, Apostle writes, even in uh, Titus 2, 9 to 10 if you read it, exhort born servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not fearing, but showing all good fertility that they may order or the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. What does it mean? And uh, we can say, even in John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief does not come to, except to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have in more abundantly. When we lie, have misplaced anger or steal, we are following the Satan's uh, followers of Satan, not of the Holy Spirit. So, the Bible says, we should work. What does it mean to work? So, the second thing is, believers are to work for reason. What are the reasons? Thirdly, I am going just moving fast. Paul says that, the person who stole should not, still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good? Even in the beginning, when God created, uh, so He has allowed Him to work hard. Even in the Proverbs, what we are, uh, sorry, in Psalm 128, as we are knowing, but we should eat of our own labor. So, in that case, without work, it is not possible to eat. So, when we work, we should help others, we should feed others. By stealing, but the world concept is different. The people, those who are of worldly, they steal from the rich people, giving to the poor. That is wrong. But we, as a believers, we don't steal, but we work, our, uh, uh, work hard and we will learn and we will give to the poor. That is the purpose of not stealing and working. Finally, the fourth one, by stop corrupting and start edifying. Stop corrupting and start edifying. In that, believers are not to corrupt others. Verse 29a and 31 Paul says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Corrupt comes from a word, Latin word, "sapros," that was used to describe rotten fruit, vegetable, and whatever the spoiled food. You think about it. If you, if your food was spoiled, as a very simple, lesson, a rotten egg. Take it. Is it possible? Is it pleasing for us to smell it? No. So in the same way. Believers are not to corrupt others. So, the corrupt word, a corrupt word is something that pollutes. It would include blasphemy, vulgar words, oath, cursing, the dirty jokes and dirty stories, lying, slandering, gossiping, what is gossiping? Gossiping is not only granted as the, I am gossiping in the gospel. No. Gossiping is very simple. Two person talking about the third person. Very simple. Whoever it is. As when wife talking about somebody. Somebody. That is gossip. So, that and all the corrupt words for as for the believers, and um, as I said, that is jokes, that is stories. In this case, it is very much freely available, and that is why some of them are very much today. All of we are all very familiar with WhatsApp. Some of the things it is easy, sometimes we are very particular. Some of you are very particular going through is and correcting it. And if it is sent to all your friends, you simply without uh, half way you read it, you, made, you felt it is good. Password and uh, forward it to ten people or two people, whoever it is, the near ones, the near ones, you have to go through it. If it is not godly, if it is dirty, corrupt word, delete it. You will not even go through it. So, we should be very careful in these days. Because we are living in a, such a world, so the corrupt words has to be corrected, and we, we always speak or do in our action, whatever it is, when you say forwarding message, if you feel that is edifying, yes, if not, if you are not edified, don't send it to somebody. So a detailed list of corruption is in verse 31. As we know, let me read it. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, glamour, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. What else do you need it? The whole compiled package is there. What is the corrupt word? So secondly, believers ought to be edify others, as I said. Back to verse 29, we are told that which comes from the mouth of the good for edification. It is important and for us all our words should be seasoned with grace. When we speak, we should, our words should be seasoned with grace. Not only that will edify others and that will prevent you for, from sinning. So, I love that phrase, import grace to the ear, being kind of one another, being tender-hearted, and forgiving one another. As a conclusion, actually there was an illustration, since there is no time, I will stop that one. And I I highlight some questions, like, the Holy Spirit... is listening. Do you believe that? The Holy Spirit of God is listening. If you believe, say Amen to that. Amen. From where is listening? Within you. Amen? How does he feel about what is going on in your life right now? Is he happy or grieved? You see, weeping over our lives, unresolved anger, dishonesty, and corrupt language. And are you living more like a believer or an unbeliever? Are you quenching his powerful work in your life? You have to answer, not to me, to yourself. Question is to you, answer is from you, answer is to you. Am I right? Got it? Hello? The question is to you, answer is from you, not to me, to you alone, so that God will be glorified if the answer is to your right answer. Everyone always write to give a, find the good answer, Right? So, we should know that, prepare ourselves to write a good answer. And, for you, God's desire is, for the believer is, in Christ to live differently than before coming to faith in Christ. Before, how you were is not the matter. Now, God expects you to have a better life. And, doing so, brings God joy and will not quench or grieve the Spirit of God who lives within those who believe. As I believe, He lives in each and every one of us. God lives in each and every one of us. God has spoken to us today how not to quench or grieve The Holy Spirit of God. Where is God? He is in us. Let us prepare ourselves, not neglecting any small things, and maintain or keep the righteousness, the holiness for which we are all called. Amen? Let us bow down and close our eyes. Look unto the Lord.
1: Even as, even as we are in an attitude of prayer, take a moment to think of your own lives, to consider where you stand. In your life, are you grieving the Holy Spirit? Are you quenching the Holy Spirit? What is your walk today? Does your walk imitate the walk of the Gentiles, the walk that you used to walk, or do you walk the walk of a new creation? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 9 says this, And they, that is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Adam, where are you? Eve, where are you? Substitute the names with your own. And God is asking us the same question today. It's time that we look at our own lives. And God is reminding us to do so. What is our life like? Not the life that we spend in church two hours a week. But the rest of the hours. Are we in the habit of speaking lies? Falsehood or call it by any other name, something that is not true. And then do you justify it by saying this is white lie or black lie or some color of the rainbow lie? God is not pleased because he has told us very clearly that along with idolaters and sorcerers and murderers and fornicators, liars will find their place in the lake of fire. If you doubt that, just go to Revelation 21 verse 8. Revelation 22 verse 15, it's repeated. Lying is no small thing and God is asking us today, you are grieving me if you are lying. We were once blind, but we have seen the light. But the question is, are we seeing the light now or have we become blind again? Our understanding was once darkened, but then it was enlightened. But the question really is, has it become darkened once again? Are you giving place to the devil Working in your life? Do you steal or do you work? These are tough questions, but these are questions that God expects each of us. I have to answer this just as much as you. Our pastor has to answer this just as much as you and me. Every one of us, because these are questions God is asking. Because God doesn't want any one of us to be in that lake of fire. God says, I want you in heaven. Talk to God. Talk to God. What is your language? We all speak fantastic language in church. We have beautiful language in church. What is the language you use at home? What is the language you use in the office? What is the language you use when a guy cuts his car across in front of you? That is who you really are. But God says, mind your language. God has told us a lot of things today and i hope we have all taken it to heart church let's just stand acknowledge who god is thank the lord that he is so concerned for every one of us that he says that i want to tell you again do not grieve the holy spirit do not quench the holy spirit Talk to God. It's your life. It's my life. Father God, we just want to say thank you once again, Lord. Once again, you have given us direction and instruction. You have given us words of correction, Lord Father. You have opened our eyes to see things of how we walk our walk. Do we read, do we listen to your word and then go and do what we want to do? What is our lifestyle like? Father, you have asked us to reflect on all of that. And yes, we do. Father, we need your grace. We need your mercy, Lord. And we need you to stretch out your hand, Lord, and to lift us up again, Lord, Father. To pick us up from this miry clay that we rush into every day. Help us to stand on solid rock. Help us to correct ourselves, Lord Father. Help us, Lord, not to be enamored by what the devil has to offer, Lord Father. But help us, Lord, to look to you, Lord. The author and the finisher of our faith. Father God, we do not want to miss heaven, Lord. But we want to be there with you, Lord, Father. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have spoken to us today. And we pray, Lord, that we truly will make corrections where corrections are needed, Lord. Father, we thank you for the word that you gave to our pastor that he brought across to us. So loud and so clear. And Father God, we ask, Lord, that your further wisdom and anointing be upon him, Lord. That he will bring to us your heart, Lord, that even as he reveals to us what you have revealed to him, Lord, it will be cleansing unto us, Lord, Father. Father, we thank you for this time. We ask that you be with our pastors, wife, Lord, bless them. Everything that they do, Lord, we ask that you will be in it, Lord, Father. We give glory to you. Thank you, Father, for every one of us who is here, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that even as we step out, we will remember what you have told us today, Lord. We give all praise, honor and glory to you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we share the grace, uh, just uh, two things to tell you. Uh, We will be exiting at both the doors, mainly this side. As many of us who can go out on this side... Let's use this side. There is a big pit which is dug up there. We don't want to step into that pit. Okay, and so be careful. If you do go that side, make sure your children don't run around. There is construction work going on. That door cannot be used. So we have to use only this door. So it's going to be a little tight. Adjust as much as possible. Let's move out this door. Okay, that's number one. Number two, those of you who are taken the discipleship training form and need to fill it up, please do fill it up and return it today either to Brother Francis or to myself. Okay, please do not keep it pending. Shall we share the grace? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us All the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Let's move out.